And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to The Leaf Report with Canadian Press National Hockey writer Jonas Siegel and The Athletic TO's James Myrtle. Okay, James, we have... I think this is the first playoff edition of the Leaf Report podcast. It's not. It's not, no. really. Well, because oh we started God. in 2012. We started during the lockout. Remember we used to go to that studio down on... Uh, Whose idea was that? Start during a lockout? Well, I think we were, like, I think you had nothing to do. You were a radio reporter for the Leafs and there was no hockey and... And I didn't have much to do either because I was sitting around Toronto, like, writing lockout stories and stuff. Like, it was very... It was a slow time. <laughs> and I think it was September of 2012. So I remember... I think we recorded one in Boston during the playoffs. Really? Yeah. Oh, we, I think I remember this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We did one after game one, I think, and we were like, oh, man, like this is going to be a short series. and We were wrong. Yeah, we were wrong. Yeah. Well, remember that game one they did? The okay, Leaf- so let's start there. This is uh, the Leaf Report podcast brought to you by Babsox. Visit babsox.ca. Wear Babsox, live Babsox. That's good. They That's were good. at the game, the Pittsburgh game, the Babsox yeah. guys, and they put them up on the screen and then they stood up and they were going to do something goofy or whatever. And they quickly panned away on the Jumbotron because they're like, we don't, we don't want these guys up there. That's probably a good idea. Um, so let's start with that, that game because it kind of ties into what's going on right now ahead of Game 1. Game 1 against Boston. bunch of guys haven't played in the playoffs before. They score the first goal. And I know this just because I just wrote about it. So it's in my head. James Van Riemsdyk scores the first goal like two minutes in. And then Randy Carlisle, quote, said they self-destructed. They just stopped. And we all, you know, kind of looked at that game and remembered it as Van Riemsdyk looked like the only guy really that looked comfortable. Yeah. Do you think that's going to be an issue for them going into the series with Capitals? I don't think so, but that might happen. I yeah. could see that happening. It's going to be such a big stage for these guys. Even Austin Matthews was saying today that he hasn't really played in anything like this before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was excited, but you just don't know how that excitement's going to come out. Is it going to come out in terms of nerves or is it going to come out in terms of, you know, 
channeling it the right way and playing really well. This is old hat for Washington. I was looking at their team, how much playoff experience they have. They have something like six or seven guys that have been in the playoffs six or seven years in a row now. And Mm -hmm. Ovechkin and Backstrom obviously have been part of it for a long, long time. There's there's a lot of experience there. These guys are not going to be intimidated. The only intimidation factor is what Babcock talked about in our, our quote of the week. That's that's a really good lead up. Yeah. Well, so let's get to the Bab Sox Babcock quote of the week. I think I got that right. Uh, this is Mike Babcock on Tuesday afternoon, just really discussing the underdog matchup or the underdog mentality kind of his team is facing against Washington, who's won back-to-back President's trophies. If you let them get going, then they're going and they're loose and driving. And but that pucker factor is an unbelievable thing. And until you've been the best seed. Until you have the whole city expecting, you don't know what that's like and how good a defense that is for the underdog. It's unbelievable. So my first year in Detroit, I'd never experienced anything like it. I couldn't believe how we couldn't skate or pass. Pressure is a wonderful thing. Okay, so that's Mike Babcock. Kind of, you and I disagree a little bit. I think he's kind of planting a little bit of a seed uh, that Washington is the one that should be feeling all the pressure. I think Washington obviously feels the pressure being a team that's expected to win a cup. But can you see that? And you wrote about this. Can you see that kind of being an issue for Washington, maybe getting tight if Toronto oh, comes in hot? 100%. I mean, I think that if the Leafs win game one, all bets are off what this series is. I mean, I know everybody's picking Washington. They should be picking Washington. And you look at the Leafs. The Leafs Number one goalie has been hurt. We don't know what he's going to be like. The Leafs are, have two of their top four D. Polak has been playing in the top four for quite some time and playing pretty well. This is the best I've seen Polak play uh, since he's been with the Leafs. And even back when he was with the Blues. You know, it's... Yeah, I can see that definitely being a... The, the Leafs are, are, want to come out as hard and as difficult as they possibly can. Keep game one close. Maybe you win it in double overtime or something like that. Like, just, just scratch and claw right. to try and win that game. Can they do that if Anderson at his be- is at his- isn't at his best? No. Can they do that if Zaitsev is out and hurt? I probably not, but we'll see. Okay, so we're going to get into that a bit later, but let's keep on with you know um, maybe putting some doubt in the Capitals' mind. Like if they come in and don't look right. overwhelmed by the moment in Game One, then all of a sudden like maybe Washington starts thinking to themselves like it's happening again because this is a team that like for a bit now has been kind of known for. Their playoff failure and not well, getting as far as they should. They've had six teams in the last ten years with a hundred plus points. They've only, they've never made it out of the second round, so they've had a lot of expectations that haven't been met. Yeah, and right now the expectations are probably as high as they're going to get. And I think the fan base realizes a pretty smart fan base there. Um, you know, some of the blogs like Japers Rink and uh, what's the Russian? There's a Russian. Uh, there's a whole bunch of great. Great uh, Capitals bloggers, really smart fans there. They know that their window's going to close because Ovechkin's 31 years old, and he's mm-hmm. slowing down a little bit. I mean, he didn't even hit 70 points this year, and most of his goals came on the power play this year. And So I think they realize that, that they're in a win-now moment. Obviously, they won the President's Trophy, so that you're in a win-now season, and there have been a lot of years where they haven't been able to get it done. Yeah, and when your GM basically comes out and says it's cap or bust, and I think it was last year he said that at first, like they have a two-year window like this is basically it. Like they've they pushed all their chips basically into the table. Shattenkirk. Shattenkirk. They've got a bunch of guys who are free agents after this year. So this is it. Like this is the team that's built to win. I guess if you're Toronto, you're kind of hoping your young guys just come in with this nothing to lose mentality because like as it stands, if Zaitsev plays, they're gonna have nine players 
making their playoff debuts. That's half the lineup. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah. And, and then there's a bunch of other guys that have only played like seven or fewer games like exactly. Kadri and Gardner and, you know, and those seven games didn't go very well as yeah. as everyone remembers. Um, the other quote that we didn't use from Babcock that I thought was really interesting was the other one that I was talking about, which was um, which was his message to his team, which I thought was interesting. And basically his message to his team was along the lines of, you know, everyone says you're a young team, you're going to be back here and all this. But basically I don't want them thinking like that because you never know what's going to happen. I, yeah. His message to the team was when you have a chance, take it and take as big a shot at the chance as you can. And that's that's a great message, and it's a great message. You're saying it's what he said about the the pucker and all that stuff is a shot at the Capitals. I, I don't know. Shot is the wrong word. Shot is not the right word. What what he's doing is trying to plant a little bit of an idea that it's Washington. Like you keep pushing pressure on yeah. Washington. Yeah. Like Washington. That's true, a, though. Hey, Washington's the team that's supposed to win. The pressure's on them. And you kind of, yeah. like, now what's going to happen is all the people in Washington are going to get this quote. Yeah. They're going to go ask the players about it. And suddenly, like, you just create this little seed of doubt. Yeah. It's interesting how you, you see that in Toronto a lot. The players get asked about everything. And when they get asked about it 11 times, you know, I don't know. It's just, I, like, it, it's all of a sudden. human nature that. Yes. And that's exactly it. Like, if they're it, not robots. The first period and, and the Leafs score a couple goals or win game one. Suddenly, it's in the back of your mind, and he brought up the 2005-06 Red Wings, which had 58 wins. Like, I'm looking at that some was of the, the one against Edmonton, right? Yeah, that was the yeah. one against Edmonton. So I this is that a team well. that this is like a Hall of Fame team. It had Datsuk, Zetterberg, Shanahan, Lidstrom, Thomas Holmstrom, Steve Eiserman. Like, this is a loaded team. That's Babcock's first year in Detroit. Big. Right. He, he was brought in there to be kind of the coronation and get it done uh, after taking the Ducks to uh, the 03 final. Yeah. You know, so Babcock said today he's been on both sides of it. He's been the underdog team like Anaheim, and I think they knocked off Detroit in that mm-hmm. in the first or second round when Anaheim went on their run in '03. So they knock off Detroit. Detroit goes, oh, that's, this what this coach did is really interesting. But Babcock's lived that that underdog run, and he's also lived being the favorite. And he's kind of saying that that pressure on you when you're the favorite is something different. And you can imagine that, like you can understand oh, Ovechkin, sure. like all people. Aside from the Olympics, like the big thing, the big matzo ball in his career is like he doesn't have a cup. Now, I don't think the big the U- what matzo ball. It's Passover <laughs> time, so it's, it's appropriate. And that was just by accident. But like that's I'm from Kamloops, man. You got to explain these. You don't know what a matzo ball is? Not really. Are you serious? Is it like a cheese ball? It's it's. Did you know what matzo is? No, really? No. Oh my god! I'm from Kamloops, man. There's no there's no, there's no exposure. There. There's no, no, they didn't make it that far. So matzah is unleavened bread. I don't know if I can go into the whole Passover story with you. Maybe I'll introduce you to. It's funny Passover we've been friends later. for so long, and I, I have a bunch yeah. of Jewish friends in Toronto, and I have no idea. Anyway, a matzah ball. There's matzah ball soup. It's made of matzah. It's like a big thing. It's it's not really very good. I get but the anyway, reference. You get the reference. So this big thing in like Ovechkin's career is that he hasn't win a, won a Stanley Cup. So there's pressure on Washington to kind of like live up to expectation. That there's pressure hard. on them to get the matzo ball. No. But oh, I anyway. got it wrong. Okay, but so let's get into it. You mentioned Zaitsev. You mentioned Roman Polak. Um, the injury issue is a big one because even Toronto at full strength is going to be hard-pressed to contain Washington. What do you think? Let's let's talk first if they do play. So presumably Zaitsev and Gardner are going to get the, the Backstrom. You should point out they weren't at practice today. They were both. We're recording hurt. this on a Tuesday. So there's a chance that you'll listen to this on Wednesday and they'll practice Wednesday and they'll both play. Mm-hmm. So let's go. Let's start with that if they do play. Um, 
you'd assume they'd match Gardner and Zaitsev against Ovechkin, and then you'd have Riley and Carrick against Kuznetsov, and or Riley slash Polak, whatever you want. Either way, like that's going to be hard for them to contain. Those are not great, yeah. great pairs. It's going to come a lot down. I think. I think the forward matchup is going to be really, really important. What they do with that, but but on the like that's why it's that's why the defense is so important because it starts on the road. Babcock is going to have no control over getting Kadri against Backstrom. So it's going to be the defense, and I wonder how that works. What's been going on with the Leafs' defense down the stretch has been really interesting because all of a sudden Hunwick and Polak have played. I most I think I think a lot of it's probably on Hunwick, but for whatever reason, that Hunwick and Polak have really put it together the last twenty five games, and he's relied on them more and more. And they've had some really good games where that pair has played a lot of minutes. So mm-hmm. I don't know what you make of that. Like, well, and he's, he's also comfortable used... with those two in tougher matchups than he does with Carrick. Well, he's also used Riley with Polak. Yes. And use Carrick less in certain situations. And I'm sure in the playoffs that will happen more. Yes. Yes. Like he'll lean on Polak, assuming he's in. Yeah. My sense with Zaitsev and Polak is that it's up in the air. And like today wasn't just them getting a rest or whatever. It's like there's there's question. Zaitsev did not look good after that hit from Felino at right. all. Like right. he looked like someone who was concussed. Yeah. Now, do we know that? No. but And they're not going to tell us. But, but so... You mentioned like the the forward matchups. Assume when the series comes back to Toronto, we'll see Kadri against Backstrom. I'd assume then we'd see Matthews against Kuznetsov. Or how do you think that goes? Well, they did. They had Brown with Matthews, right? So I wonder if that's just a road thing, though. Okay. Like so. So to explain, they had Connor Brown playing with. Matthews and Hyman and Neander playing with Kadri and Komarov. Now right. we're not sure if that's how they're going to use it, but the idea he's is thinking on, about he's it. thinking, and this he's done this before, um, where he gets, you know, Brown someone he trusts more defensively with Matthews because he's not going to have control of the matchups on the road. Right. At home, you wonder what he does with Matthews in terms of the matchup. I can't see him matching him against Backstrom. Well, Bozak's been the sheltered line, so. So that's so it's going to be it, Matthews is going to get yeah I think Matthews is ready to handle it. Backstrom. Well, North I don't Coast know. Nets I, well, one of them. Yeah. Kadri, the Kadri line has played really well again in tough matches mm-hmm. down the stretch. So I think the Kadri line is your your shutdown take yeah. on Backstrom. But it's not like Kuznetsov is like an easy match. Like no. the big problem, and I'm sure we're going to get into this. The big problem with Washington is that the, they have depth. Well, let's get into this. Like, the, there was a piece at the Athletic. Your, your buddy Dom put it together, and it's a really good indication of kind of how the forwards on both teams stack up. And what it basically shows, what we kind of know, is Washington's just deeper. They have more good players up front. So it's not the matchup at the top four or five players. Right. It's it's the matchup from I think it was like six, seven, eight, and down mm-hmm. where. Washington is just better, and I think the bottom two were okay. They like so it's it's really in that six, seven, eight, nine, ten forwards where Washington has an edge, and it's right. it's guys like well Dan Winnick was in there. I think well it's like it's it's guys like Burakowski and Connolly and Eller, and then you get onto their fourth line, and they've got guys like Beagle and Winnick. Like they've got veteran guys who are really good defensively right. and. And potentially could be used in shutdown role. I mean, that's right. another thing that we could... Matthews was talking today. We were asking him who he's going to face and what if he faces a checking line like Beagle, which he probably will see a little bit of. Mm-hmm. There's Washington has a lot of options. Trotz is a very good coach. There's not going to be a lot of room in this series, I don't think, unless the Leafs' defense concedes it. 
Well, I, and, and that was like, I, I asked Babcock after the game against Columbus, the season finale, he kept saying like playoff hockey is different. And the big thing he said is no space, zero was his answer. Yeah. And so that's like, we'll see how they handle it. But like Matthews, he mentioned this, you know, after practice Tuesday, that they have players who can operate with little space. Like William Nylander is terrific with the puck and tight. Mitch Marner, Matthews. Like it, it's not impossible that they're not going to be able to score some goals. Right. So the thing working in the Leafs' favor is that offensively, like the Leafs, the Leafs are deep up front. It's just they're probably not they're not as well rounded, right? They're, like they're deep offensively. Yes, up front. they have three they're lines very dangerous. Deep. They're yeah. a very dangerous offensive team. But if the Capitals and Trots want to take advantage of Bozak and JVR defensively, they probably could on the mm-hmm. road. They could probably try and throw Backstrom or Kuznetsov out there against those guys. Yep. Get them hemmed in their own zone, and then all of a sudden you're in trouble, especially with the D. Like, I think the D is really important when the lines like that are out there. Or the Leafs' fourth line. I mean, let's face it, the Leafs' fourth line has been a problem most of the year. They've had some good games. They've had some bad games. But if you've got Matt Martin out there, and to a lesser extent, Brian Boyle, who I like as a player, but if you get really high-end offensive players against him in the defensive zone, it could cause problems. Yep. Well, and and so let's let's discuss what their lineup would be like if Zaitsev and or Polak don't play, if they both don't play, I think this could be a really short series. Well, I, so based on what they did at practice Tuesday, and this could change, they had Gardner with Carrick, they had Riley with Marchenko, and they had Hunwick with Marincin. Right. I don't even know what you like. What would you, what what would be your top pair? Like, do you ma- who would you match against Ovechkin if that was the case? I don't know. I just like, They're I in big trouble. Well, I like. I really don't like the way Marchenko was playing before he came out of the lineup. So, he, so you don't match look, them. He didn't look like an NHL defenseman to me. I mean, I, I've seen more better games from Marchenko. To be fair, Marchenko's played more more games than Marchenko. But Marchenko this year, his whole year has not been very good. He has had a lot of bad games, and I know the analytics guys are going to look at the numbers and say, "Look, Marchenko's fine," but like, it's not. It's not just the shot attempts with Marincin. The Marincin, it's where he's giving up the puck. He like he, the way he serves it up to other teams is just he's really nervous under pressure. Right. And he, same with Marchenko too. Right. They they both Yeah, they're both not making the right passes when they're the last man back. They're not that good. Like they are what they are. They're 7-8 D on yeah. NHL teams. And so if you're suddenly forced to use a 7 or an 8 as your 4 or your 5 you're you're in trouble. Like yeah. if they have to match Gardner and Carrick against Ovechkin, good luck. My guess is that I, I think Polak's going to pull through and play. I mean, he played some shifts in the game. He played exactly one shift. One shift. Okay. And he did not look. My beer like, league team had a game, oh, so, so I wasn't watching it as close as. Okay, so what happened is, and it's a really, it was a really weird play. He gets kind of like bumped in, in the front left of the net, side. Right? No, bumped in the left corner uh, by Brandon Dubinsky, and right away you see he's like. Whether he comes up lame, basically, and like you can see, he's favoring it, and he he, he goes. He eventually goes to the dressing room, doesn't come back until six minutes have gone by in the third, plays one shift, and then is done and sits on the bench for the rest of the game. Yeah, he was moving weirdly. That's so not what good. It, well, like I thought maybe it was a Charlie horse or something in the beginning, but it could it, be. I don't like who knows hip or groin or hip or like, yeah. Yeah, like he just it, got bumped in a way that that twisted or tore yeah, something. Or, yeah, it didn't look good. He's such a big guy too. Like you well, and if see, he's not, he's already not the most mobile fella, right? I like that word, fella. Yeah, like so, F E L L A. Yeah, yeah. Can't use it in print, but I'm gonna start doing it. You should. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna put it in a headline. Okay. <laughs> so, so obviously they would be. 
it would be a cluster. I don't know if I can swear. I did last week. Well, but it would be a cluster. F. It's going to be if they don't have those. This guys. podcast is going in a weird direction. Matzo balls and cluster bombs and, and fellas. <laughs> well, so the other the other injured guy potentially, and this is like a sneaky one, is Frederick Anderson. Yeah. Uh, he after practice on Tuesday. Sounded hopeful that he was playing, but not like anywhere close to definitive. And they've been, they said he did not suffer any concussion symptoms. Frederick Anderson, when asked about that, wouldn't say whether he did or whether he didn't. Um, but we've seen this before where all the indications are that he's going to play and then he doesn't play. Yeah. They would be, it would be an even bigger cluster F if. All of a sudden, he couldn't start game. Was it you talking about it? Someone was talking about how Anaheim felt like he held himself out yeah, for a long, me. long time. That was yeah. well. That was the word. Yeah. That he came. I got th- a bit frustrated, but I mean, like when you have concussions, I never hold it against a guy. I don't either. Wants to but, wait but you know, hockey but culture. Some teams, some teams seem to do it. Yeah. Right. And so he's had concussions before. We don't know what happened or what went on. Seems he, like this is his fourth one in two years. If it was a concussion, we don't know that. Like he went through the protocol, he wouldn't have been allowed. He got a to guy's practice. hips to the side of the head. Like what he a, did not look good, obviously. Yeah. But if they have to start Curtis McElhaney, did you read in Anaheim some of the symptoms that Anderson was having? Like it was like he was dizzy, yeah. couldn't follow the puck. Yeah, there was a bunch, bunch of bad things. Yeah, that's like I. And then they started saying it was a neck injury, and Anderson. Anderson, they call it a concussion, but I don't. And the thing with head injuries, and I've had a couple playing hockey, is that it, this sounds really weird, but you're not sure if you have one or not. Well, I remember you went through one, and I remember like describe some of the the symptoms you felt. Oh, it's it. I mean, when I, when I had the worst one, it was kind of like a slew foot, and I fell and hit the back of my head on the ice, and I played the rest of the game, which, like, you'd think you're a reporter. You write, I was writing about concussions all the time for the Globe Mail at that point. You'd think that you would pull yourself out of the game, but I thought it was okay. I thought I was like, oh, you know, I just banged my head, and, like, I felt okay. Hmm. The next morning, I got up, and I was like, it was like I was floating in a big bubble or something like that. When you feel like that, then you know there's something wrong, and I went to the doctor, and I took a couple days off work and all that. But when you start to get better, it's all it's sort of like about degrees of getting better. And it's not like it's not like if you hurt your ankle and it's like, oh, I can walk now and it still hurts a little bit, but I can walk. With a concussion, it's like, yeah, I don't know, maybe I'm you. St- you like forget what a hundred percent feels like, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm trying your to brain's remember- very good at like compensating for it experiencing trauma and like it starts to tell you you're okay when you might not i don't know if that makes sense i remember john michael lyle's explaining it to me like there's almost like a fog and like the fog until you even when you think it's lifted you're you're still a little bit like slow in your responses right was the way i remember him well, describing like, it to me i just feel a little bit tired today or something or but that maybe right. maybe well, you start to question if it's the concussion or if you didn't get any sleep the night before or if you're right. sick today or it like i don't know if that makes sense it like does well when frederick anderson took the bump to the head from william carrier uh what he said was he just felt off right so what does that mean i know right like it means something is not right yeah so and everyone knows about that feeling you get up in the morning and you just don't feel right and like well you know whatever i'll have an extra cup of coffee and i'll sleep longer tonight and maybe that's I'll how be i fine. this morning and yeah me too so it's like that, that schedule was just like and i didn't even have to cover the columbus game but it was that was a lot of hockey mm-hmm. and now we're getting on a plane on wednesday but so i kind of think and this is not a, a revelation or anything but like if he can be really obviously if their young guys play well 
um, and he's really good, they have a chance. Like, oh, it's for, not insane. Yeah, no, for All sure. it takes is him getting hot, them getting a little bit of confidence, Washington feeling a little pressure. Like, Whoa. he is he the guy I, – I hate this term, and I've been trying to figure out different ways to say it, but, like, X Factor. Is he their – the one? Yeah. Well, and the health on D. He's a big X factor too. Yeah, right. Like I, I feel reasonably confident the Leafs are going to score some goals in this series, even though there's Holtby and yep. they they have a very dynamic offense. They're going to be able to create some offense. Yeah. And I think that there are some small holes there on the Capitals blue line. Alsner has slowed down a little bit. They they play Warpick 17, 18 minutes a night. Mm-hmm. Um, who's on their fourth line there? I mean, like they they have there are some openings there where the Leafs are going to get some chances and find some opportunities. So. I think they're going to be able to score, you know, two or three goals. So if you get really good goaltending, that can be enough in a playoff game. Their, their fourth line is pretty good. But it's Dan Winnick, Jay Beagle, Tom Wilson. That's not bad. Yeah, I mean, it's they're a good team. Yeah. They're a really good team. The interesting thing I, I noticed with their ice time is their fourth line plays a lot. Like, they basically have... What happens when you have a good fourth all, line, right? All of their lines play at least 13 minutes, which is, like, we haven't seen a Leafs team where the fourth line plays 13 minutes. I don't know if I've ever seen that. They could have one. They choose not to do it. Yeah, they could have one, yeah. Like, if they dress Soshnikov... Well, we don't know if he's healthy, but assuming... I don't think he's healthy. I've seen him around... Okay, yeah. so so Levo. They could dress Levo, Boyle, and... Who oh, I'm forgetting? Kapanen. Kapanen. Yeah. And they could play them 10, 12 minutes. Right. But... That's they, a, they do not wish to. It's going to be interesting to. to see if that fourth line only plays like six well, minutes or something. I mentioned this to you at one of the games. This argument that, that Matt Martin, quote-unquote, keeps the flies off, it, it just isn't true. Like, maybe after something has happened, he comes and answers after the bell. the flies have already taken a big bite but the out flies have already the flies have already done something. So what? It, yeah. I don't understand what good it is. Yeah, what did Matt Martin prevent with Sestito basically running? Nothing. Like, let's say Sestito did that on purpose. I don't think he did. Let's, well, let's say he did. What did they prevent? Nothing. nothing. And yeah. then the game before... I think it was the game before. Uh, yeah, it was... Was it... Who was it that, that shoved Matthews into the net? It was... Uh, it was Maybe it was Braden Coburn against Tampa? Yes. It didn't prevent it. Yes. Like, maybe afterward, Coburn had to fight about it, but like... It's already happened. Yeah. And Coburn's been around and fought everybody, and he's a monster guy, and he's whatever. So that's a different story. But I think the special teams part of it will be interesting just because Washington has an amazing power play, but Toronto also has a a pretty good penalty kill, although it wasn't as good in the second half. You know what's interesting is that looking at the penalty kill is like things like shot attempts against and chances against and expected goals against is not good for Toronto. It's bottom 10. It's one of the worst of all. How do you you explain that? I I noticed that. Well, their save percentage is quite high. Yeah. But like that's why I like looking at like expected goals and some of the stuff that takes shot location into account. And I like looking at the the Fenwick against as opposed to Corsi. Like maybe the Leafs are blocking a lot of shots. Maybe the locations are different. I don't like their expected goals. They were twenty fourth instead of twenty eighth or whatever it was. So like some of it maybe is location. But I think they're just not very good at pre- preventing chances on the penalty kill. And Anderson, a lot of times that penalty kill save percentage is kind of just random. Yeah. It. It, it looks like the penalty kill is actually not that good. The Leafs penalty kill. I will buy that if you want to argue it's an average penalty kill, I might buy that. But part of the problem is they had Ben Smith there a lot. I wonder if you pulled right. all of the Ben Smith shifts out. There was a stretch. And there, Freddie the Goat. And Freddie the Goat, was who was terrible good. on the penalty kill. If you pulled all, both, I, which I haven't done, but I'm sure someone listening to this can do this and send it to us on Twitter, which happens sometimes. If you pulled all of the Smith and all of the Gauthier shifts out of the penalty kill, where does it rank then? I might guess it would probably might be close to league average. Yeah, well, they like look. Hyman's a pretty good penalty killer. 
Brown is a good penalty killer. Komarov's all right. Soshnikov's all right. Like they're using Boyle there now a lot. Using Boyle. Well, the one thing that's been interesting with Boyle, and who the hell knows why this is, he's been pretty bad in the faceoff. He's hurt generally. Is he's, that what it is? He's hurt. Okay. I saw him. Where I can't remember where it was. He's he's got um, those like that tape and all that stuff all over his upper body and his neck. And remember he he left that one game and I can't remember what the game was that he left. He left the one. It was uh, the game he got hit in the neutral zone, right? Yeah, right. By against Washington by Wilson, right? Wilson hit him, and then right. I think Boyle is dealing with something. He's played a lot of hockey, you know, and um, but I still think he's played relatively well. He's actually up to fifty one percent. He's been better of late, so he's just a monster guy. Like he should be able to just out overpower anyone he faces in the faceoff circle. Right. He's going to be important. I think Boyle's going to be really important in this series. He's got the most experience of anyone on the team. It's becoming a little bit of a cliche is probably too strong, but like it's become a thing with the Toronto media. Like he is just oh, yeah. like he's becoming a little inflated for what he is. Right. Well, okay. Yeah, I see. What, yeah, I see what you're saying. I wasn't thinking. It's just like he's like I'm it, trying not been, to read any of that. The problem. I'm not either. But people the, like the way that Boyle talks, and they like who yes. he is. And, and so every day for two weeks, and, Mike Babcock has been asked what Brian Boyle is going to bring for the playoffs. Right. He's only, like, he's their fourth-line center. Like, right. Let's not... He's probably going to play 11 minutes. Right. Right. But he can be a difference maker on their penalty kill. And when they're going against that fourth line, they need to kind of just hold serve. I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but it seems like the, like the young players really look up to Brian Boyle. They really like that he's there. It's almost kind of like a Martin thing, but on another level, because Boyle is a better player. Yeah. They, like, like they admire if something's going on in the corner, Boyle's always there to fight whoever it is or or not fight but just i don't know it's like he's their big brother or something well he's been around and i should add the podcast is brought to you by bob socks they've all watched Boyle on tv like a lot of the, all these rookies are all like 21 years old well and they've you been would... watching the playoffs every year and they've been watch they watched him go to the third round of the final with the rangers and well and you and, and i've both written about this like when you look into playoff experience on toronto it's like he's at a hundred Big drop, Polak's at like 49, Van Riem's like 46, I think. Right. And then it's like nothing. It's like Matt Martin and Hunwick Hunwick with like 20-some-odd games. Right. So that makes a difference. Like, guys in any profession, like, you respect someone who's kind of been there and done it. And, like, he carries himself, like, with some... I don't know what the word is. One thing I've noticed with Boyle is he's always making fun of the rookies. You know, yeah. he, he'll he walk by. Connor Brown was doing a scrum and Boyle would walk by and he said, oh, are you talking about your haircut? Because Boyle had, <laughs> or, or uh, Brown has that, that really short shaved sides yeah. haircut. And then there was another one. Oh, yeah, Marner was doing uh, TV interviews and uh, Boyle says something about why why are you wearing your skates doing the interview to make to make Marner look taller or whatever. So he's, well, and, and Babcock has talked about it a lot that he kind of brings something on the bench where he can kind yes. of settle people down. I, and I've one been of, seeing it. Well, one of the interesting elements of Toronto this season and the last few seasons, they don't have a captain, and like sometimes that gets over inflated as to its importance but there isn't a guy that you look at on that team and say okay that's the guy he's gonna step up and say something and or he's so gonna Boyle's been trying to settle them down. down yeah yeah and so maybe i don't know maybe that makes a difference come playoff time yeah like if they if, if they go down in washington like i've covered i've been to every building of all the buildings it is top five for when washington scores early in a game that place gets like rocking and i've been there for games where it, it, you can see it kind of get into the players for toronto 
because it, the the you know what I mean? Like the yeah. atmosphere just gets to a point yeah. where you can see that's, it. That's cool. It's like the, I haven't been to Washington to a game. It's cool in a long time. I was there when it was bad. I was there before it really took off, and I went and uh, I met with Ted Leonsis, and I met a bunch of the people in the press box that I knew, and it was they were trying to build something there. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to go back now and see what's been built. I'll probably write about something about that this week just because I haven't been there since like 2008 or something. Well, and in some ways, they're not a perfect model because they haven't won. But they've been a consistent cup contender for since Ovechkin's sure. second year, basically. Sure. So. Well, look how good the team is now. I mean, it's hard to criticize them. I right. Mean, well, when you have like pillars like Ovechkin, Backstrom, Carlson, yeah. and Al Holpe. There are ways to screw that up, though. Of course there are. Well, look you at Pittsburgh Overpay them. and Yeah. Yeah. That they made uh, Brian McClellan the GM, who mm-hmm. I don't know very well, and I don't think a lot of people knew very well. And it seems like he's a smart guy. Who's well, done I think a, he was their AGM, right? A lot of the AGMs are like anonymous guys who are really, really smart, and they're part of the engine that drives the franchise. So, right. I who you have as your GM is really, really important right now. Well, one sec. I, I wanted to look up like what they're going to look like after this year, but before I do that, I wanted to ask you about how you think Matthews is going to handle. Kind of his first... This is not his first big That's stage. what I'm writing about today, yeah. Okay, so this is perfect. We saw at the World Cup, he was... He might have been better than McDavid. Like, he yeah. was he was excellent. Um, we saw at the Centennial Classic, another big stage. He scored twice, including the overtime winner. Do you think we've learned anything about him so far that will show how he's going to Look at down handle? the stretch. Look at his NHL debut. Shit. Like, how did yeah. I not mention that? <laughs> Look at down the stretch, though. Right. He, he was... There was all that pressure on him. There was all that talk about how he was struggling. And what did he have? Six goals in six games or something like that? Mm-hmm. He just blew line A out of the water, and he won the Calder Trophy hands down. Like I, it's First been, in 51 years. There's going to be hardly anybody that doesn't vote for him in the first. I, I, I sent in my ballot late last night. I have night. to finish mine. But, like, who's not going to pick Matthews? I think Matthews is going to get – I was looking at NHL.com, had their voting tallies. Matthews was getting some hard votes. I think he's going to get some hard votes. So it's – I mean, he really has come through in the big moments. Winter uh, Centennial Classic. What do you think that is? Like, I, I, you wrote a rec- recently that he should be their captain sometime right. soon, and will be their captain sometime soon, which I agree with. But he just doesn't seem to be kind of phased by. I think he likes it. Yeah, there's just there's a cockiness, like a swagger to it. I think he he eats it up. Like he wants. Like listening to him today, this is like this will steal some of the thunder of my story. But hopefully, it'll be up tonight before the podcast comes out. But like I think he, everyone says it about him, and it sounds so weird. But he wants to be great. Like he wants to be. Well, I'm sure in his mind, he's probably thinking I can be the best player in the league. Yeah, and it's not crazy. Like, but he he doesn't think like you know maybe I'll get there. Like some guys, I think do he. He just, that's like what drives him or something is that he wants to be that. He wants to be the guy that, that pushes a team to a Stanley Cup. He wants to be the captain. He wants all of that stuff. Do you think that happens in, in the summer that they do it? Yeah, I was just going to say, I wonder if they do it in September or when they do I I don't know why I do it in the summer. Just to spread out the I I don't know. Crazy. I, I'm just going back to when they named Phaneuf the captain. It was in the summer. Yeah, but I don't think that made sense. They sh- they should do it with the team around. Actually, and- no, I actually think it does make sense because then it kind of gets the distraction out of the way. People get used to the idea instead and of you do it right- ten stories about it exactly. And then like by training camp, it's it's kind of old news a little bit. I could see because of Lou, they wait another year, but I don't think they need to. Well, that's a really good point. I that could see Lou really doesn't want to name. I mean, he's not going to be twenty till end of September, I think. Right? October. Or middle. I think he's October. 
Well, no, because his birthday was right around the cutoff for the draft, right? Oh, it right. would have been it, it would have been uh, September, mid September. But so uh, to, to to conclude, I think he handles the moment fine. Yeah, I wonder if he's like one of like the, the interesting thing, like we mentioned off the top from Game One against Boston. Is how comfortable Van Riemsdyk looked with yeah. the playoffs. It was like the weirdest thing. And even you Not saw... Not only that, that Pittsburgh game was Van Riemsdyk, one of his best ever right. games in the NHL. Well, and my first thought to that was, like, this is kind of... I forgot to ask him about it. Did you talk to him? No. Well, it just became about the playoffs, no. But I mean, like, since then. Oh, yeah. I've talked to him. I've talked to him about the playoff stuff. And he just why said, he's better? Yeah, why he's... Well, why he was like so comfortable that JVR. It was just because he seemed to understand that it requires you to raise a level. But, like, that Pittsburgh game, it made me think, like, imagine if he was like this all the time. I think he could be, like, a... He would be a top 10 player in the league. Well, I don't know. Maybe well, top good, 25, top 30, whatever. Just It seemed like he was just moving with so much more urgency. Urgency is a great word for it, yeah. I really like James a lot. I think he's a really interesting guy, and it's... yeah. He's been a kind of a joy for us to cover and have conversations with, and you know he he gives you a lot more insight than most. And I think he I think he's really re, really well respected on the team and all that. But there's some elements to his game. Like he needs to work on his defensive game still. He needs to work on his urgency. He needs to work on being more involved. I think he can be more than a big guy that stands in front of the net and scoops the puck over the goalie. I mean, he can be a. He's he, 27. Right. Is that going to no? But I'm like, saying I just think I'm saying like I think he can be. Oh that. sure. I'm thinking, like, in theory, he should be able to be more than... Yeah. Well, the, the funny thing is, like, in... I don't know how we look back at his regular season. I thought he was fine. Yeah. He finished with 28 goals and 62 points, I think. Yeah. You'd take that. Yeah, no, it was a good, like it's it just, was a good season. Yeah. Yeah. I but, thought the... Was it... No, it wasn't the first half of last year. The year yeah, when they... The year that he was so good? Yeah, it was the first half under Babcock... Yeah, he was having his best all around year, and then, and then he, he broke hurt. his foot. Right. Okay. That's that's what I was thinking of. And yeah. the, the, when he went out, that kind of he was their best player. Yeah. He was their MVP before he got hurt yeah. in January, and we were saying this is a new JVR. Like this is you could see him. Maybe he's going to wear an A. Maybe he's going to be a big part of this yeah. the, because they didn't have Matthews yet. They didn't have all these things. Maybe JVR is going to be a first line forward. Maybe he is going to. He just was really, really impressive how he carried the team. I think a lot mm-hmm. and. And when he went out, that's when the tank started. Yeah. Because their record wasn't that bad at that point. No. They were like 16, 15, and 7 or something. Well, they would have got worse at some point because they were going to trade guys away, but they were competitive. They were on pace for like 86 points or something like that. Right. Not, they finished with 68. Okay, so before I forget, these are some of the guys who are free agents on Washington after this year. TJ Oshie, Justin Williams, Evgeny Kuznetsov is RFA. Daniel Winnick is UFA. Carl Alsner is UFA. Kevin Shattenkirk is UFA. Orlov is RFA. And Grubauer is RFA. What's that? Who's that one guy? Paul Carey? Yeah. He, he's UFA too. So just in case. They're going to lose Paul Carey. But so that just to round it off, they have this is their this is their best group to get it done. And if they don't get it done, they're in trouble. Well, they're going to have to. They just turn have over. to. Well, I mean, like Chicago's done a really good job of rejigging, and we don't know how good the prospect system is for the Capitals, and that becomes sure. a big factor when you lose a bunch of those guys. But right. yeah, no, this is a good. T- I just think with 
Ovechkin and Backstrom are getting older, and I think you can see. Not Backstrom had an amazing year. It was interesting. We I think we talked about last week about how he should get more consideration for. The I offer. think we just discussed it. it the, the reason Backstrom came up is I was asking Komarov like who the best defensive forwards are that uh, he's faced, and he brought up Backstrom as yeah. a guy that no one talks about who's really good. Yeah, he is very very good. I he's think he an got amazing some votes last year. Did I he? seem to remember. I think he might have finished top ten. Yeah. Yeah, that's my rec. My recollection is like not enough, not as much as he probably should. But mm-hmm. who did you? Who were you? I haven't five? done my selkie. Oh, you haven't done selkie. It that, was hard. That's going to take some time. I got to. It was some hard. Time on that. Yeah, I, I think I went Bergeron. I gave Crosby a little bit of love. Uh, he, he'll be in my top three probably. Yeah, I got to figure out who else. I think those. I like Tavares. Tavares's numbers are very very impressive. That's a good one. The team is the Islanders are completely different when he's on the ice. I love I love the way that Tavares. He almost has that. Uh, he just hunts the puck so well. Like, he's always after the puck. Always, always, always. Well, one of the big changes with Doug Wade is, well, it's been blown up with Doug Wade is he kills penalties now. Right. I love when teams use their best players to kill penalties. Right. I have so much respect for Tavares. If he had a better team and better line mates, we'd be talking about him so much more. Like, I, I no offense to Islanders fans, not that any of them are listening to this, but I kind of hope he goes somewhere else and can become kind of the... I just have a lot of like, it's same as Stamkos and Crosby. Like I have, well, a lot of, I have a lot of respect for the person that John Tavares is. And in, in a different place, he's Jonathan Taves. Yeah, like we'd probably be talking about Tavares him is way. anyway. So like, I didn't vote because of who he is. I just think that that shows up on the ice. Like he, yeah. we talk about JVR. Tavares brings it all the time. Yeah. All right. I can't remember who the other guys I had for the Bergeron. I mean, I think you look at the numbers, and Bergeron should probably win. What every, about Marchand? Every single year. Uh, are carried by Bergeron? Well, it's pretty hard to separate the two into who's... Kills penalties, too. Yeah. I don't know. Wingers, obviously, don't... Bergeron's possession, though, compared to the rest of his team, is always insane. Yeah. It's always crazy. Well, just Kessler's a, had a good year. Kessler's had a great year. Kessler probably... Kessler will be in my he top... He might win. He might be in my top three. Yeah. Actually, he will be. You know who had a good year? Uh, Jordan Stahl had a good year. Yeah. And no one talked yeah, about... Yeah, good point. It was interesting looking at the numbers for the Selkie who who should get consideration. But just to finish off, Komarov, the first guy he said was Bergeron. So Bergeron should almost have won the Selkie like eight times in a row. Like that's how you look like if you just go by the numbers. Well, it becomes a little bit of a reputation award. and But I don't think it is for him. Not for him, but like when, I don't know. Well, people think, don't want to give it to the same guy all the time. Well, and people also, it's it's hard to quantify what... What makes a guy yeah. good defensively? Like Crosby's a good example. Like he's playing offense so much, he doesn't have to play defense because he can get the puck and go. We're on a tangent, and we don't have much time left. So I was going to ask you about the Norris, but I'm not going to. Well, so I'm going to vote Carlson one, Hedman two, Burns three. Yeah, I had the same top three. Yeah, in that order. I think I might have had Hedman first, but people. I really thought people about here that. are going to kill me for that. I really thought about Hedman first. Really did. I and then was- I was watching the Tampa ga- game, and I'm like. I love Hedman, but Carlson is still just a bit better. Right. So I think I might have Carlson in as one of my heart top five. So he's going to be in mine. All right. Well, we're going to try to do this as frequently as possible. We'll try and do series. one in Washington. We'll, we'll Are you do bring this giant mic to Washington. Yeah, I don't know if airport security is going to like that. Um, we'll try and do it as frequently as we can. And thank you for listening. The Leaf Report is brought to you by Papsox. Playoffs. Thanks for tuning in to The Leaf Report. Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Myrtle. Yeah. I'm gray, had the shingles off the suede, the rango jacket. Ball slang, glow, Bronx is only Django. Snappy, a golfer, stopper, that's where my props go. That's where my props go.
That's what my pops win. See, my percentage is a penny to the planet. Knock it out the ballpark.